Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, where we talk about how writing works, how writers work, uh, and how the best writers risk being strange. And I've got a rapper as a writer here. Um, I'm really pleased about this uh, because I've been trying to get a rapper to come on for a while. <laughs> and also, uh, I finally got a rapper who I'm a big fan of, um, Bazooka Joe 204, who is also uh, previously known as John Smith. Uh, and I've followed your stuff pretty near since you came out. Uh, maybe just a little bit after you came out, I kind of started to get into the PNC, a uh, penis and corn uh, uh, crew and all of um, the, the different people associated with that. Uh, after I, you know, had moved to Winnipeg and started to kind of, you know, get plugged into the indie music scene a little bit here. Um, and, so Joe, or you know, formerly John Smith, has been, you know, really just doing it for a long time. You know, either as John Smith or as in sort of you know super groups, I guess you'd call them, like uh, hip hop wieners. You know, uh, and now you know your Bazooka Joe two of four. Can you maybe just talk before we get into kind of writing and how you approach writing, or just how rappers approach writing? Can you just maybe talk a little bit about uh, sort of how you kind of hooked in with uh, like with that kind of crew and sort of your early development, uh, you know, kind of as a, as an artist. I started freestyling and writing raps at 11. I'm from Churchill, Manitoba, which is way kind of a remote town in the North. Uh, you can only get in or out by uh, train or plane. So it's very isolated. There's only about 900 people. But uh, my older brother was like a break dancer in like 86 or whatever, uh, and then taught me. So, you know, that I think my exposure to hip hop music and culture starts, you know, sometime in the mid 80s. By the time I'm like 11, I'm dedicated enough that I'm starting to write things down and trying to freestyle, which is, you know, improvisational rap. Um, and then at age 13 or 14, uh, we moved to Winnipeg. And when we got here, I immediately started looking, right? I wanted to see where the rap was at. So, and Winnipeg's pretty interesting for a prairie town. Like we had uh, a show called Spotlight that was on like cable access TV in the 80s and the early 90s with like that featured local rappers and DJs and stuff like that. So I knew there was a scene here. And so immediately I was like, I'm going to find this thing. I'm going to pursue it. Um, and I was pretty lucky to attend Sisler, which had like um, some rap promoters, you know, like, um, and so quickly I kind of figured out the deal was, was there wasn't a lot of traditional access, you know, there wasn't like a night or anything like that. So what was happening was, was under the guise of socials, uh, which, you know, for non-Manitobans are kind of party fundraisers, usually they're community-based for like a wedding or a sports team or something like that. And that's also how you could get a party licensed in Manitoba, which had really archaic liquor laws. So what I pieced together from, you know, people I was talking to and, and through the kind of high school kind of party scene was what the promoters would do is they would get a room. Sometimes it would be like a grand ballroom, like in the Royal Crown Plaza in Winnipeg downtown, um, under the guise of it being a fundraising social for someone's wedding or for someone's softball team or something like that. And then they would just throw a hip hop jam in there you well it wasn't just hip-hop it'd be hip-hop r&b and dance hall featured very heavily too right so yeah quickly i figured out that you didn't have to be 18 to go to those parties so you know 15 16 years old out till one in the morning you know and and um and usually the way the shows worked would be there'd be some you know, hip hop and R&B and then dance hall reggae would come on towards the end of the night, which would get the crowd like most hype. And then and then right at the end, they might let some local performers on. 
Um, and so that was, uh, and that was like the culmination of the night, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I started going to those shows, uh, and just kind of like, you know, sussing things out. I figured out that kind of the most accessible groups were freak show and farm fresh. Uh, so these guys are pioneers of the scene. Traditionally, you know, they're both groups. Uh, and, and, and there was another group called mood rough. That's important to note. But um, they were probably five, six years older than I was. Um, and uh, I knew that Honeycutt, uh, the DJ for Farm Fresh, worked at Sam the Record Man in Polo Park. So I went and dropped a tape there. And that tape made its way into the hands of the crew. Uh, and, and so they just kind of like recruited me. Um, I was really green. I wasn't good at what I was doing. I was full of shit, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, taking credit for a lot of things I hadn't done yet. Um, but, um, one of the dudes in the crew is named St. Louis. He kind of acted as an unofficial photographer, documentarian kind of around the crew. He was a DJ and a photographer and, uh, he liked the tape. I don't think anybody else did, but he liked it. And he kind of, persisted with McEnroe, who's like kind of the head honcho. He makes all the beats. Um, yeah. And eventually McEnroe gave me a call and said, we think there's something here. You're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> we want you to be honest about where you're from. You know, I was kind of pretending to be from New York, not necessarily by outright saying I was from there, but definitely in like tone and swagger and and I was I was coming at it with the confidence of someone who didn't know any better, basically. Uh, and so that kind of pulled me in. And, and I was very lucky because they were they're you know, they're often kind of lumped in with the with the punk scene in that era. It's kind of non-traditional rap. It was honest and from the prairies. You know, they they laid out to me the way to do it right in their you know, in according to their ideology, which was, you know, you can love this thing that's from another place, but you shouldn't misrepresent yourself uh, in your efforts to participate in this thing. And that was, you know, at the time, the best advice I could get. And, um, and yeah, they just kind of took me under wing and um, started putting records out to, with them. I believe the first one came out in 99. This is all kind of late teens, early twenties. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then that culminates in, in a solo album and it just hasn't stopped since then, you know, it just keeps going. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I came to the city or I came grew up in a small town, not as remote as uh, Churchill, but a small a town, of like a hundred people, you know, like in Northwest Ontario. And um, I came to the city around 98. And so I kind of, you know, and I came in when I originally was pursuing music uh, in like grunge uh, kind of and metal bands. Uh, and so like, I was aware of mood rough being around and like, I was kind of aware of you guys, but not super interested in hip hop at the time. Yeah. Uh, but what happened was over the years, like, especially as I kind of got, like I was with the university of Manitoba, I started working at the Manitoba. And so I got to meet like uh, co-op uh, and a bunch of, uh, and, and I started to sort of like meet people a little bit that were floating around, you know, and I started to get just more interested in like a broader range of music. And then like, if you kind of just like zoom forward, what I think is kind of interesting uh, about like just sort of my like inf growing infatuation with like hip hop and rap is I, I started like where I really like got sort of obsessive about some of the stuff like I got kind of more into indie hip hop through uh, the PNC. Like I became kind of fancy what you guys were doing mm -hmm. uh, and kind of other Canadian uh, groups that were kind of, you know, popping up and popping off at the time. Uh, but then I started to really just get more deeply interested in uh, like the history of that, in that, that music. And even in just more modern uh you know, rappers, uh, where, uh, or even just more mainstream rap, I kind of got more interested in as I kind of started to do it 
went to through university and did a PhD because what I started to really weirdly learn was I was like sitting there, I would listen to like these songs that were, because of course rap started taking over the culture entirely, right? Yeah. Like uh, in, in this sort of process, it starts to just eat the culture <laughs> and literally assume just yeah. everything that comes before it. Right. Exactly. Like, and and yeah. I just subsume all other genres into it. Right. You know, in a weird sort of way. And so all of a sudden, like I grew up like metal industrial, like weird, like dark, I'm listening to like Dawn's Egg and stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden, like now it, you've got Atlanta trap, which is basically just Dawn's Egg. <laughs> and, but then they're rapping over it, you know, yeah. like it's, it's really interesting. Like this industrial sort of, minimalist beats you know like so what, what i found was interesting about it though like from my just kind of perspective not being somebody who's in that culture really at all but just like a fan who's paying attention to it is at the same time i'm studying literature in like a really serious and detailed way like i'm doing a phd in literature and i'm looking at like a guy named future is coming out and you know and future starting to hit big and i'm getting and i'm like and i hear like criticisms of his writing style from like my, my friends. So like, you know, and they're saying things like, well, you know, like he'll just, um, he'll just say this, he'll like have a song where like, he'll do 10 lines. They all start the same and then they end just, he just kind of tweaks the ending. Yeah. And I'm, and, I, and I'm looking at them like going, well, yeah, but that's a poetic technique called anaphora. Like that is a technique that goes back to Babylonian poetry. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, you might not like feature, but like the point is like, th this is a literary form in a really clear way uh even and by that point like people had to have accepted already like rappers are poets like that was a normal thing to kind of understand the culture you got kendrick lamar you know up for the pulse and all this stuff mm -hmm. but there is still this sort of like i think there still is this idea that but then you have this other contingent of rappers like the idea that's just a subset of people are good and, and can write and then everyone else is just sort of you know they're not really saying anything or they're not really uh but I, but i find like you know i'm not the fan of everybody or anything but like i find when you look at a guy like future or offset who who will often be very criticized for you know quote unquote not saying anything on a technical level it's incredibly impressive writing and then if you actually move into somebody who's you know maybe more obviously saying something like uh earl sweatshirt you know, who, who also has like a technical ability that's obvious, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's a bit more easy to see kind of the tricks, you know, uh, when weirdly, like when Kendrick Lamar is doing something, it's more kind of easy to see what he's doing yeah. than it is like when somebody who's kind of, maybe they're not talking obviously about something, but there's like a level of which what they're saying is informed by a larger context, you know, which I sure. think is really interesting. So I just find it interesting because to me, there's all these like really complicated techniques. And, and I, especially like I started publishing po poetry and like getting into this poetry world. And it, there's a really, um, and I started to really kind of fall out of love with poetry in a manner of speaking, because all I, I would just comp constantly complain to my friends, like, well, you look, you know, it's nice that it's a poetry book you're putting out, but like it's none of those poems are half as good as the, the average mainstream rap song. Right. On a technical right. level, you know, uh, you know, and, or like, where's the poem that's as good as like even the Darkwing Duck theme song? You know, <laughs> when you're in trouble, you call DW. Like, that's a yeah. brilliant lot, couplet right there, you know? Yeah. So I'm really interested in like how rapping works on like a writing craft level so mm -hmm. so i'm kind of curious to know just sort of your take on like rappers as writers or sort of how people look at rappers as writers or don't and just kind of more about your own writing process sure i mean yeah what i would say what i would say is you know it's the wildest thing about looking at rap technically is to consider the the part of it that is like this is all almost exclusively like uh, you know self-guided stuff you know like mm -hmm. like you are there is no uh curriculum there's no you know there's none of that you you're just you're feeling it out you're absorbing it 
you know, um, I think it's important to talk about, at least in my development. And I know, you know, when I hear other rappers talk about, you know, origin story type stuff. Yeah. Like, I think it's important to, to remember, like, this all comes along with like boom boxes and the first Walkman, you know, things of that nature. And I know, you know, as part of my development, it was just never stopping listening to it, you know, like, like big, big swaths of my, you know, late childhood and, and most of my adolescence with spitter speakers literally strapped to my head and the aesthetic in hip hop in that era too was where to was to wear giant headphones. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how you, that's how you learn, you know, and then, um, and yeah, I think it's really important to, to point out like someone like future, I believe, I think he's from originally from the dungeon family, which is, yeah, he's connected to them. Mm-hmm. So that guy grew up in the studio watching Big Boy and Andre 3000, who technically are both incredible writers and rappers, the physical part of it and the, and the actual writing itself. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it should be looked upon as really impressive when you consider that so much of it is just done by feel, you know, and I think there's definitely some things with race at play where I think there's people thinking that, you know, rappers are, you know, like, especially from the hood are kind of like preternaturally talented at at what they do. You know, like there's this inherent thing where uh, the reality of it is, is like, there are, you know, these are people who have, put all of their chips into one pile and said, this, this is the thing, you know, like in a very, in oftentimes very uncertain and sometimes dangerous situations. So yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's something that needs more credit and needs more examination. Well, Uh, I think that also informs or should inform, I think how people receive some of the, uh, writing but they don't like uh i i i think of I don't, i'm a big fan of future even though i understand he's not the best rapper in the world mm-hmm. but i just like the uh, sound like he picks well, he picks music i like but like he has this one song he does with young thug called uh drip on me right and this this song at one point the the chorus is kind of all this drip on me you know at one point he's like got to keep it on me like id and i think that's a really in, insightful line like you know people will look at like Oh, the, just the, the show, the exuberance of, you know, showing off your wealth as being sort of a materialistic thing, but there is a, like a level out where like, well, it is sort of a signaling of who you are on a kind of, you know, identity level, you know, <laughs> like, like he, he's, he has to keep it on him, whether he wants to or not, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it has to happen because that's sort of how he gets from one place to the other. It's like, he's, instead of being carded and having to show his ID, it's like, well, he's got that chain, you know, he must be rich. Therefore he has a mobility, you know, that mm-hmm. he's now allowed. Like there's, there's levels at which like, you know, the, or, or I always think of also this takeoff song called none to me, where he's actually starts the song with um, playing a YouTube clip from a guy who's looking at his music video and criticizing like the ostentatiousness of the music. Yeah. And, 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 he, and so then the song begins with, with takeoff going, yeah, I spend this money, but it's, it's none to me. Like, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that I've brought everybody out of poverty with me, yeah. you know? And, and like, there's an interesting like context. I think that surrounds uh, the music that sometimes doesn't really get like brought into it so much, especially by a, a, a mainstream that wants on one hand to celebrate and capitalize on uh, this, you know, writing, but also wants to kind of dismiss this importance or value in a sort of weird double bind. Like, it's interesting sure. to me. I'm curious to know, like, how it, that stuff matters to you when you're sitting down trying to write, like, in terms of thinking about how, like, the song is going to be received. Like, I think, like, Art School Kids is a is maybe kind of an example. Like, that's your new, your one of your new singles off um, Bazooka Joe's 204's new album is uh, Prairie Nielsen, which is going to come out in October um october 15th i think you said it was yeah and um art school kids is one of the singles that's out right now that people can go find 
kids with a Z. Uh, and you kind of get into like some of the, that kind of class, those class issues that kind of play into uh, how people perceive, you know, rappers uh, and, and just sort of, you know, cl- how class just plays into education in, in that sort of way. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. So I wonder if you could talk maybe a bit about that song and kind of how you came to write that song. Because it does sort of come off something you said almost like, like I never thought about it until you mentioned it, but like as a writer, I you know went to university and took creative writing classes, but you know, it, it's, there's no like class in like rapping, <laughs> you know, no, like you can go no. take at university. It's interesting yeah. how it's, it's not been institutionalized in that way, even though, uh, it's gotten recognition. You've had people like Kendrick Lamar who have gotten recognition from the university uh, and the academia in that respect. And you've also got, of course, a culture that is uh, just, you know, dying to capitalize on rap music. Yeah. Well, to go back, and I think I can, I, I can tie it all in together, is, you know, even within rap, there was judgment on on your content, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. and, and for the, the kind of curators of the culture that, you know, there was a lot of like, this is about something and this isn't about something. And this thing that is about something has more value than this thing that isn't about something. Sure. Even if the thing that isn't supposedly about something is technically great. Right. I remember TI doing that really specifically in that one song. Uh, it's like one of his hit songs. He taught, he starts talking in like, all of a sudden he just starts using a bunch of five syllable words uh, yeah. and t- saying other rappers are comedy, you know, and, and dismissing them in, in this particular way. So it's, it's interesting. You, yeah. I can see that real clearly in, in certain yeah. ways. And, and what's really interesting about it is, is if you look at, you know, the kind of eras of growth and, and focus and importance, you know, New York, became the arbiter of what's real and what isn't real for the longest time. They, they, they kind of not necessarily had exclusive ownership because there was tons going on on the West coast at the same Mm -hmm. time. But if, you know, if you go to what people look at as the golden era, the kind of early to mid nineties, New York gets, you know, they, they start to really like the smell of their own farts. You know what I mean? Like it's really self-serious uh, and it's battle, battle, battle. And, you know, there's 50 dudes on stage every time anybody needs to rap. And it's just, it becomes almost like dour, you know. Um, mm. And and then you see, you know, eventually later when the South emerges and people started paying attention to the South, you know, like one of the biggest records from that era is Paul Wall and Chameleon Air. Yeah. And, and, you know, and they're just kids, right? The album's called Get Your Mind Correct. Um, and that album blew my mind on the level of these guys are so obviously technically showing off. Like they are all in on polysyllabic rhyme schemes. Um, but, but the album itself is just a declaration of opulence. You know what I mean? Like it is... It is not only do I have, you know, the, you know, the, the vehicle of my dreams, right? Like the, and in the South, it was usually like muscle cars and and things like that. But not only do I have like this muscle car, but I have like candy color changing paint on it and the rims like spin when I stop my vehicle. And not only that, when I pop my trunk, there's neon in there and, you know, a giant like sound system and a like, Jesus, an aquarium, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and that's what was happening in the South, you know, especially in a place like Houston, where it was like the hustlers and, and the rappers were competing in these, you know, in these kind of shows of opulence. Um, but, you know, that record is just as important and impactful as a Wu-Tang record or a Rakim record. Um, but it won't carry the same weight because of the content. You know what I mean? Like, or at least in some mm-hmm. eyes, it doesn't, especially in the arbiters of the culture's eyes, you know, like things are changing now. Like I think people are getting a little bit more of a, a more holistic view. I think like, you know, there's more people tapped into a broader discourse around it and there's been a little bit of time to, to observe it. But for the most part, 
you know, the, the, the broadly held idea is that this, this tribe called quest record is worth more than the Paul wall and chameleon air album went. Sure. Whereas really, um, you know, if you look at the Paul wall and chameleon air album, it is technically a masterpiece, you know? Well, and I find the technical thing, I, you talk about, they kind of are showing off, not just the optimist, but the technical ability. I yeah. find that's a really interesting thing that you see a lot in a lot of, you know, don't just generalize, but you see that a lot in Southern rap as well. Like I always think of big crit Catalactica, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that song, like there's this great moment in that song where he goes, Cadillac, clack, 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 Cadillac, too early for the hook. Yeah. He actually says like, he stops himself and goes, wait, it's too early for the hook. Like he's just in such command of song structuring, you know, like, you know, that he's even just showing off like, and teasing it at the same time. Like it, it's really interesting, I think. Yeah. Those moments yeah. happen. But kind of and, let's just fast forward to cut, like, like maybe not fast forward, but like let's just kind of move towards like how you kind of place what you're doing and how you see yourself as a writer and 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 as far sure. like art school kids. Yeah, let's we can start from art school kids. Like art school kids on a certain level is uh me making a conscious decision to like illustrate class, you know what I mean? To to and and just to to the to be that declarative and say, I grew up poor, you know, like I am, you know, for all intents and purposes, a poor person. I don't own a house. I never have. I've never owned a vehicle. I, I don't have a credit card. You know what I mean? Like it's a different life uh, for, for people who don't have money and don't know resources and how to access them, you know? Uh, and when you get into the arts, especially, you know, for me, I got very lucky because I was kind of taken under wing by these, you know, by people who were veterans of music, but also like, you know, knew what they were doing, you know, like running a record label, you know, for instance. So I had a stable place for the records to come out on. And for me, especially as a young person, uh, I was okay with kind of, you know, living hand to mouth uh, because I was, living my dream you know it was like i get to go on the road and i've seen canada from coast to coast and uh and done all these things and then you know as time kind of passed in it you know like when you when you hit 30 and you start looking around and wondering what what the future is going to be like for you it's like wow you know and then you hit 40 uh and you look around um and the only people who have survived in the arts would have survived no matter what they had done. You know what I mean? You, you, you see that connections and resources and coming from a moneyed background is kind of, you know, the, the arts are the realm of those people for the most part. Um, and there's fallback uh, plans, you know, like there's a, there's a part in art school kids where I talk about, you know, like people, who can just kind of have a band for their university years and then they, and then they can just go and, and do something else. And it's, uh, we live in a world where people are told to pursue their passions, you know, at all costs, you know, like ditch your family, live in a Winnebago, you know, like, like put it all on Instagram. Right. Uh, poor people don't have that option, you know? And so, yeah, essentially, you know, it's a song about, class in the arts um and you know what i've had to do to to kind of survive in it you know like including you know selling drugs and kind of couch surfing all over the place for years at a time like um so yeah you know it's 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 a declaration and an exploration of class in the arts is how i would uh, describe it sure there's a line in that song which i love which is um turn your installation into a murder mystery. <laughs> you know, I love that, that line. And it's a great example. I think of the, a kind of line that is in a lot of rap songs where it's like, there's a real um, emphasis in rap on like jokes, you know, like, but that like serious jokes, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I, I, the one I love the most uh, is big boy uh, where he says, um, in one of his solo songs, he says, um, I, I write knockout songs, you spit punchlines for money. You know, it, it's got a great, you know, uh, structure to it. I like songs that are about themselves and like, are about like the song I'm writing right now on some level, 
you yeah. know, uh, or like how I came to write this song here, you know, or like when you're listening and, and I think like, so I'm curious to know how you write a line like that and, and just how you like sit down and like write a song, you know, are, are you starting with a beat? Are you writing without a beat? And then trying to like, you've got a bunch of material, you're trying to fit it into beats when you are looking at beats. Like how, how, how do you kind of just approach the writing process yourself? Right. Well, yeah, I think it's important to to say about art school kids. It's it's a three verse song, right? Like just sure. for the example of writing, it's a three verse song. The first two verses are very earnestly about, you know, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm 42 years old. I'm still doing this thing. Um, I've had to be an absolute magician to exist even up until this point, right? And then the third verse switches into a, violent fantasy mode in which I am, you know, taking vengeance upon the kind of snooty art community. Right. Um, So, yeah. So in a song like that, it's, I'm going where it it leads me. Right. Um, And, and mostly now my process, because there's, you know, there's different things, you know, like there's sometimes you get invited to the studio to write a collaborative song with someone and then you go there and you pal around a little bit. And then, you know, you kind of write like, a fun ditty about how good of a rapper you are and how bad everyone else is at rapping, right? Like that's, that's one thing for me. And you'll notice this when you look at my kind of collaborative record is I started out in a lot of groups and now I almost exclusively do solo stuff. And that's because I'm at a point where I want to write in a very specific way about very specific things. You know, Um, I, I, I used to be more inclined to let other people take the lead, you know, and, and we would write, you know, high concept stuff on the level of, Hey, we think this sh- song should be about this. My verse is going to be about this. Why don't you tackle this? Right. Um, and so, you know, those are ways of doing it, but not my preferred way of doing it. And, and so my preference, uh, I don't like to, kind of hang out and spend a ton of time in the studio, which is a real staple of kind of like hip hop culture and rap, which is, you know, just get into the studio, smoke blunts all day long, you know, stay there for however long it takes to get whatever finished is, is finished. Um, I'm, I'm just too old and, um, and not comfortable opening up in that way with people around. Uh, for me, essentially, producer will give me beats, right? Um, I will sit down with the beats immediately within the first bar or two. I know whether or not I want to rap on something. Um, what What's the thing that, is it just a f- instinctual feel or is there something in the kind of beat you choose? Like, do you recognize like things you're looking for or is it just kind of? I, I mean, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking to be moved. Right. And, and I can be moved by what I feel like is the emotion in the thing, or I can be moved by the actual technical, like the drums, for instance, that's a huge deal for me. So, you know, just to give you an example, you know, in the, in the early two thousands, there become there kind of, you know, was a loosely kind of formed prairie rap sound. Right. Uh, and, you know, that involved a lot of kind of like sparse kind of acoustic guitar loops or or maybe like a piano loop. Um, and these aren't like jazzy, busy, fun things like, you know, like the sampled hip hop of the early 90s. Like I said, they're kind of sparse and minimal, very moody. Um, and then a lot of like kind of slow, chunky drums, you know for me, that's the opposite of, of, of what moves me, you know, like I'm looking for more intricate things going on within the beat. That's why I make so much music with McEnroe is, is, you know, he does so much stuff with, with the drums that it's like, it's inevitable for me. I start listening. Um, If it moves me emotionally, that's great. But more than anything, I just start hearing the cadence. I start hearing the flows immediately. Yeah, I think so, any time is kind of a song like that to me is the opposite of like it's sort of like you're saying it's the, almost the opposite of a lot of trends at the time. Yeah, because any time is like well over 100 BPM, you know, mm-hmm. like I, this is a part of that 
kind of osmosis that I was talking about earlier to me, you know, uh, and I can only speak to my experience, but it's like, I listen to all types of rap from across the spectrum, from the most experimental out there stuff to the most mainstream stuff. Um, I always look for the more technical representatives. It, it just kind of happens naturally, you know, as a craftsman listening to other craftspeople, it's like, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking to be impressed, right? I'm looking to hear things that I haven't heard before or to hear a new inter interpretation of things that I have heard before. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all in there in the beat when I listen to it. Um, and if it prompts me to, you know, immediately start like thinking, okay, you know, this is something, this is something I'm interested in, then I'll kind of mark it down, you know? Um, so beat, like a producer might give me a pack with 20 beats in it. I'll sit down, listen to the whole thing, uh, mark off which ones interest me. And then, uh, it, then it becomes kind of a pretty traditional writing approach, or at least, you know, traditional as I perceive it in that, um, when I have time set aside for it, uh, and when I'm feeling it, like, that's another big thing for me, you know, I'm someone who's kind of, you know, dealt with, dealt with addiction and mental health challenges for the entirety of my adult life or adolescent and adult life. So I recognize productivity, like I can feel it physically, you know, um, and I can feel it build sometimes, even sometimes for days, I know, you know, the gears are already turning. And I know like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set aside a chunk of, you know, four or five, six hours, whatever. I know I'm going to have access to a quiet, comfortable space. That's another big part for me. I don't like having people around uh, when I'm writing. Uh, and when I know that I have that time and that space, I'll sit down and, and then I'll just go at it. And um, traditionally for me, you know, I can, I'll usually get the inspiration, the, the, the propulsive part of it for me. Uh, I can usually get a, a verse and a hook out of it and then, and then my energy will wane and I can, and then I'll move on to something else if I'm still feeling it. But um, that's what I need to thrive. That's, that's the best conditions for me to write under, I guess. Now, what, how do you write differently if you're in that other scenario you're talking about? If like you were thrown into the, if you were you know, on stage and you've got a freestyle now, or yeah. you're in a studio and you're doing it a collab and it's about quickly, you know, working, uh, like how do you actually write differently? Like what are the techniques or the tricks or the ways that you'd approach like just the writing process differently in that other scenario where you have to produce quickly? Yeah. Well, I think there's a difference between like, you know, what I was doing 20 years ago and what I'm doing now, right? Which is now I have a, I have a tighter grip on it. Whereas back then I was kind of being led around on a leash, right? Like the main conceit of it is that this rhymes, right? Like mm -hmm. you can, you can sit me down with, you know, some avant-garde college ass kid rapper who is challenging the norms of, of rhyming uh, within the realm of rap, but for the most part, the conceit of rap is that it rhymes, you know, and, and so that informs it technically. So you're already, you already have parameters set, you know, like, especially because almost everything is for almost all the beats are four four, you know. Um, so yeah, when I was younger, it was just like, I'm just trying to make this thing rhyme. You know, like I know on the on the right side of the ledger, here are all the rhyming words. Um, I never said I never did something as maybe deliberate as as like had a rhyming dictionary or something like that. But but it was like it was informed by the rhymes, whereas now. Um, yeah, now it's more about. I'm, I'm looking for a theme, I'm looking to match the aesthetic. Um, what does this beat feel like? Uh, and usually what I'll do is, is just throughout my daily life, if I see an interesting turn of phrase, something in, that interests me on a sign, for instance, um, or if someone says something interesting around me 
and it really sticks out, uh, whether it's for, you know, something like alliteration or just maybe the perversion of an idiom or something like that, um, then I'll jot those things down, right? Sure, um, sure. And yeah, and if I'm sitting down to, to, and it's not those ideal conditions, uh, I'll, I'll kind of feel the beat and then just scroll through my notes and look for something that feels like it clicks and make that the very first bar. Um, and then once you have that first thing, it's basically, it's like a, it becomes like lucid dreaming at that point. You're springboarding from one idea to the next because it, you know, unless you're under duress, you know, like, like, you know, unless I'm writing to a beat that I don't want to write to or something like that, like there is just a natural propulsion and, and kind of springboard to it you know and sure and if you've got yeah. a theme and you've got a now a couple you, once you've got a end word you've got a rhyme that might be with the next thing and you could keep keep doing that or you could move off it you know but you've got at least, at least some templated structure to begin with at that point exactly it sort of starts to lead somewhere and 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 you know and the and the beat will also inform it you know like if sure if uh if I feel the beat uh, has kind of like a focal point at the end of a bar, you know, like that might pull me in the direction of I'm going to establish a rhyme pattern, uh, a flow for every bar, and I'm going to stick to it for the entirety of this 16 bar verse, because I know that the way that the beat builds and the most interesting part of it or the most impactful part of it is here and if i like jump in with that and hit it at the same time and do it for the entirety of a verse it will naturally grow and build and you know become climactic just within that because of the kind of hypnotic nature of being like i'm gonna ride this thing you know what i mean and and sure. and not only am i gonna ride it i'm not just gonna do it for two or four bars i'm going to do it for the entirety of this thing and it makes it something that people whether they want to or not the listener gets invested in it right because they're kind of trapped in this swirl uh that pulls you along and rewards you at the same kind of surging kind of point i guess would be the best way to describe it and and then when do you decide how, or how do you decide or like is it even a, I, don't, I don't know what because if it's even a decision or if you're just kind of operating on an instinct here but like what i find really fascinating with rap writing is when people establish a structure like you're saying and then just suddenly shift it like oh, all yeah. of a sudden they just switch it um like you know where like, like i see offset do that a lot i'm really i find offset impressive mm -hmm. um for a couple of reasons but one you know it, he'll just suddenly uh, radically alter what he was just doing, you know, uh, and it, to the degree that it's, you know, it, it can be, you know, really startling in moments. Um, uh, and he also is very excellent with slant rhymes. You know, a song like Darth Vader to me has like some of the best slant rhymes you can find. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious to know, like, you know, when you do do that, because you do do it sometimes, uh, you know, like in, in a song, like my favorite song of yours is Long Money, where you kind of do the thing you were just talking about, but you do have sort of like this moment where you say, you kind of like pause and then you go, you kind of like break the flow a little bit in the sense that you pause, then you say, put them up like an obelisk, which is yeah. one of my favorite lines. And then you, but then like the patterns that come right after that, they fit in the bars and everything, but they're, they're moving they're very differently. You know? Yeah, they're they're kind of jumbled, you know, like yeah, and, like you're but, hitting the beats and everything. Like but... battle, Casaneta, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm really curious about like how you decide when to do stuff like that because I think when it happens, it's really effective in part because you've been so stable before that. Like it's yeah, surprising, like, right? You know, like so it's it kinda... like a, it's like a combo breaker in, mm -hmm. in, a, in like that's a good way game. to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. I can only speak for myself. Um, there might be a shift in the beat that prompts that more often than not, though, you're just writing to a loop. Right. Um, 
So it could be yeah, any amount. Maybe the proof is going to change it later or something, but yeah, because you it, changed it, it. But exactly, like yeah. sometimes the beat leads you. Some most times the lyrics inform the beat because there's post production, right? Mm -hmm. You put your verse down, then the then the producer kind of manipulates the beat behind it. But you know, in a situation like that, it's all it's just feel, you know, and it's like. Uh, it's informed by the beat, but it's also, I mean, it, it can be informed by like scarcity of rhymes too. Like it might be like, okay, I'm, I ran out of all those, I ran out of the rhyme to keep that going. Right. So I'm going to break it. Um, but it could be content as well. It, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like now I'm going to shift gears. So the, so the content is going to switch with it. Right. Like, or, sure. or the, or the, the feeling behind the content it's you know it can be it can be you like you know like one thing i really like is a rapper you know who's making a point and is hard charging you know and then like and then just takes a moment and just throws their hands up and just goes you know like it's the it's like the audio equivalent of like i digress you know what i mean like or or i got carried away or something like that but you know to give you a semblance of an answer it's 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 dictated by feel, you know, like it, it really is. It's, it's, um, it, it's probably rooted in freestyling in that, you know, like you're going one way and you're going with something and then maybe something, maybe you were doing two syllable rhymes, but you know, now a three syllable word is at the end of the bar, you know, and that might be the impetus for the whole change, you know, like is, is a slight technical technicality rather. It's really fascinating, you know, to me, and uh, I just find it really, you know, interesting on a craft level. Uh, some of the things that uh, you do, and that you know, just rappers in general do, uh, you know, it just is. There's just so many impressive aspects to it, and it's a it's an art form where I feel like I, I, people will sometimes people I, I sometimes will get asked, you know, by uh, students. Um, what do they think, what I think is the most, um, like, you know, poetic art, like music form or whatever. And I always will say rap is, you know, just because if you took the music away, it's still music, you know, on a really right. basic level, like it's just working with syntactical units in that really specific, you know, melodic kind of musical way. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, well, it, it's been really excellent talking to you, Bazooka Joe 204. And, uh, I really, you know, uh, want to just encourage people to check out uh, your new record uh, Perry Nielsen when it's uh, out in October there again he's got some singles out now uh, art school kids and um, that I knew what four is out uh, right now uh, plus you're also John Smith like your, your your older records are under the James John Smith uh, and yeah. are out there and I really encourage people to check uh, those out and uh, I just as a kind of parting uh, words i wonder if you have any like advice writing advice for people who want to get into rap well you know because there's so because there's so much cultural stuff to know you know my first thing to say and i and i would say this about any genre right like if you're going to start a punk band or you're going to start whatever would be go into the history of it learn as much about it as you can um see if you can reach back to the older stuff and enjoy it. I know it's hard for new younger rap fans to go back to what feels like kind of rudimentary stuff, but there's a through line through all of it that I think, you know, uh, especially if you want to get technically involved would make a lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? Um, but more than anything, I would say, uh, I would give the same advice that I was given, which is especially when it comes to content, like, like be yourself, you know, like I want to hear, I want to hear about the real lives, you know, for better or for worse, you know, like we're, we're all gonna, what's, you know, we're, we're going to zhuzh it up or whatever you want to call it. But, but what I would say is, is like, you know, learn as much about it as you can, but don't feel any pressure to be what already exists within it. Um, and, uh, and by that, I mean, you know, if, if, if you're like a teacher or a bus driver 
or you know a nurse or whatever and you want to get into this i want to hear about your life as a teacher or a bus driver or a nurse i want to hear it in rhyme form i want it i want it to be funny and engaging and you know and like nine tenths of this stuff i know we've talked a lot about the technical aspects of it but but i'm at a point where you know i want to i'm intrigued by personalities um and so yeah my advice would would be to manifest your real life in rhyme form uh to the best of your abilities would be the way to do it and if and if you're going to go another direction you know like uh become the the most fantastical thing that you can become you know what i mean but like commit commit to the bit see it through and 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 give people an authentic view you know like open up the window let people really see what's in there um the you know if there's one thing in the world no one wants to hear and i have experienced as a white person in rap music is nobody wants you to hear you pretend to be someone else it's it's not fun uh and it usually ends in disaster um <laughs> uh for many reasons so well thanks very much and uh yeah it's been great talking to you and uh um yeah i'd love to have you on again sometime uh so. anytime excellent thanks uh, so much bazooka joe 204 uh, joe and uh keep writing the wrong way